<laughs> take two. Take two. <laughs> take two. Take two in a row. That's what we'll do. Take two in a row any day of the week. We will hear at the two tones. It's episode 13. Tony DeBolfo, Tony Moclair. Tone, uh, can I quote the great man Brendan Bolton? He said, and I love this, I want this to creep into our vernacular, we were statistically good today. (laughs) (laughs) How statistically good did you feel after the game? I was statistically jubilant after the game, Tony, in the winner's circle. It was a lovely place to be in it, and it rounded out a a magnificent weekend, did it not, with the uh, Hall of Fame setting the tone on Friday night. That was a great night. We saw the elevation of Surge. Serge Silvani to legend status. He gave a wonderful speech, um, just full of great anecdotes and self-deprecation. Um, and then three players elevated to the Hall of Fame as well. It was a terrific night. Yes, three players elevated to the Hall. Uh, four, actually, if you count Jack Rout, course, um, yeah. later an official of the club. But a, a magnificent night. We might uh, uh, address that the particular evening later on, Tony. Yes. Do you think we, we should get into the... Uh, the business uh, straight away. Well, look, it was a it was a dogged win. Nobody's ever going to accuse it of being the most beautiful or technically correct game of football. But as we talked about before, uh, we hit the record button. It was played in dreadful conditions. Well, look, I was following the the commentators through Twitter, and uh, and even in the aftermath of that game, I think we've been uh, handed a particularly raw deal mm-hmm. uh, by people uh, who were watching on. I actually wondered how many of them were actually um, braving the elements mm. uh, on um, Sunday afternoon because there was an awful crosswind um, hitting the MCG. And um, I think there were mitigating factors that contributed to the ugly contest, admittedly. But look, I mean, when things settled a little bit after half time, it was a, it was a pretty uh, enthralling contest, I felt. And, um, and once again, as, as was the case in Perth a week before, Carlton prevailed because they hung in and hung in. Mm. And um, even when Essen was was threatening and I think hit the front uh, at one point, I didn't really feel any fear because I, I honestly felt that the players would would come back hard as they as mm. they did. And and I think that's a real sign of um, of uh, well, it says to me that Brendan Bolton's um, uh, ethos is. Um, finding its way through to the group. Yeah. And uh, let's be under no illusions. You know, we're starting again. We're starting from scratch. Uh, we lost um, Cripps pre-game. Yeah. And, and of course, Weedering before half-time. Uh, and yet we still found a way. And I think that is admirable uh, in the, you know, in that the players are scrapping and scraping mm. their way uh, to the result that everyone wants and, and all power to them for, for hanging in in. Uh, these contests right through the year, really. Well, the, the Wittering incident, um, he went for the ball. It was a bizarre kind of incident. You don't see that too often. Um, got the shoulder done. He was immobile in the goal square. And um, at, given the tempo of the game at the time or the where the game was poised, he was unlikely to be bothered at that end. Um, so rare were goals at that particular stage in the match. But then took a long time to get up and... Um, <clears throat> It was a frightening moment because he is, he's very precious. <laughs> Jakob Vertering is a very, very precious footballer. That's true. And I'm sure this is the last thing on, on his mind, but I was certainly thinking about the, the dreaded curse of the uh, the Rising Star Award. You yes. know, when you think of, um, you know, what happened with Murph in his first year getting uh, his shoulder put out with Socket by Copeland 
up in Brisbane, and then you think of what happened with uh, Camp Reale the first yeah. year, you know, hot favourite lost to, to Nick Holland. Yeah, Hawthorne then, got a free for that, by the way. The, yes. <laughs> and then, of course, Cripper, you know, going under the Jesse Hogan last year, it's almost like uh, it's not meant to be. However, however, there is light uh, because the, the prognosis is that maybe it's a two or three weeker for Jakob Wittering and it won't be uh, uh, long before we see the great man back in action. And would, um, would you, It's I alive mean, and well, the, uh, the, the Rising Star Award, Tony, let the, me tell you. It's the most important thing because he's, look, he's a favourite of the two tones. We just, we love him. Uh, I get this kind of um, narcotic calm any time he goes near the ball that I haven't had since Stephen Kernahan played. Yes. That one player, you just know it's going to be okay. Yes. If he's in the vicinity of the ball... It's going to be all right. No, that's very true. I, I, I go back a bit further. I think of B. Dool when I see ah, Vitering, just for the yeah, poise and yeah. and the and the, uh, the the serenity and the calm with which he with which he he plays the game. And mm. uh, I mean, from that practice match against Essendon, you yeah. know, it, it yeah, shone yeah. through. And yeah. uh, I, I, I just uh, it's it's amazing for a, you know a guy in his first year that he seems to have that poise and, and the time to to make the right decision with everything that he does and. Um, we are blessed that we've got a player of his um, uh, capability at this club. Yeah, oh, look, I was uh, phone in hand, ready to organise the bedside vigil <laughs> with yours truly. We'd pull shifts, we'd whatever it took, just to make sure that he was going to be okay. Yes. We're here two to three weeks, but the question is, Tone, would you rush him back? Oh no, it certainly would not. I mean, uh, we're here for the uh, the, the, the long term, um, and nothing to be gained by uh, an early early recall, um, let's just get ensure that he gets the shoulder right um, because these injuries, you know, potentially could be hazardous. You know, mm. um, a lot of players, it really cruels careers, you know, we've seen, it seems to be the, um, the, uh, the injury of the, um, of, of, the, of the period, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the, the shoulder could be a really nasty little um, injury to incur. Well, especially so, in Backman too, you look at Jammo, Jammo's well, shoulder that's, is... that's yeah, it. That's he's he's laboured with it for a long time. Yeah. You know, we, we certainly don't want that to happen. And I'm sure that the, you know, that Brendan Bolton, the Brains Trust, will, will take a softly, softly approach with um, players in their first year like Vitering. You know, we, we, we heard this week that Charlie Curnow, you know, has uh, come down with glandular fever. Yeah. We don't know how serious that is, but... Look, let's just give them time, you know. Um, well, you know, these boys have time and glandular fever right. now, but I tell you, the way we're playing, he'll have finals fever in <laughs> September. That's oh, t- Tony, I'm <laughs> trying to keep the lid on it, uh, two wins in, but uh, go for your life. Uh, now, we have obviously the, let's say, the physical injury to, to our man, Jacob. Um, you could say, in a, in a broad sense, he's carrying an injury of sorts. It might be a mind Injury, if, if I can coin a phrase, Levi Casbolt in front of bowl, uh, in front of goal. I want to well, I want to make one observation with him. His marking was exceptional, and he's possibly the best contested mark in the club. I'm putting it out there. Tell me if I'm wrong, but obviously the conversion is terrible. He missed a set shot at goal that he should have got. And again, you know, let's remind people that conditions were terrible. Now, instead of dropping his head, he contested the neck, the kick out. And clunked the mark. He didn't. Mm. So he didn't drop his head. His like his his rate of effort is still there. You would argue it's just what happens when he's in front of goal. Very true. I've got a couple of points to make about this, Tony. Um, thank you for raising it. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Matthew Cruiser at the weekend too, Great because game. in difficult conditions yeah. he was clunking marks, which yeah. he hasn't done for a, a little while. And I was watching uh, 
the warm-up and noticing Matt Capuano uh, lobbing some high balls to him just to, to work on his timing for catching the yeah. ball. And it's obviously something that they're mindful of and they're trying to get, get right. I'm sure the same applies with Levi Casbolt and his kicking. But just an interesting observation, Tony, um, that was put to me um, two years ago at the 150th uh, celebrations of the club. I bumped into um, Turkey Tom Carroll, who won a Coleman medal for Carlton mm. way back in the early 60s, was a great full forward. And we were having this conversation about <laughs> Levi ago, Caswell right. Ben. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, one, one little uh, thing that always worked for him, and he, it was so effective that he actually took it into his coaching later on, his local leagues back home, is that at training he'd set up um, um, two rows of witches' hats mm. and he would always run between the witches' hats in kicking for goal to keep that straight line. Because yeah. if you look at Casbolt and, and even Cruz to an extent, they seem to be running to the right yeah. as they as they were approaching goal with their set shots, which is exactly where the ball was going. Yep. So, you know, I'm sure that the powers that be here have tried everything to, to get um, the methodology right with Levi. It was just interesting to hear also Jason Dunstall say that for a player like Levi, who's had this flaw in his game probably from his childhood football mm. days, the improvement you're going to get, get in a play of like that is going to be probably minimal. Yeah. Um, whereas Mason Cox at Collingwood was the uh, the uh, uh, obvious um, alternative example, fellow that's only just recently picked up the game and has got his kicking right from day one, mm. having not played junior footy and, and perhaps got into bad habits with the way he kicks. So, you know, we, we hope that there is improvement in Levi's kicking. Uh, we, all, we all hope that. But um, it's going to be hard, and, and I'm sure that everyone not the least of whom is Levi himself, are working, you know, furiously to try and get that aspect of his game right. If Levi needs inspiration, he need look no further than, let's say, Daisy Thomas, who oh. was roundly put upon by a lot of supporters. Oh. I'm, I'm going to admit I had my doubts, obviously. Um, probably the best game I think he's ever played for oh, well, no that, doubt. that first goal was just unbelievable It was a thread of the needle you know, on, yeah. In difficult conditions Which was a real lifter for the team And um, It's a fair point you make Tony Look he played well in Perth last week I, I had him amongst the votes last week He, he was outstanding He's obviously benefited from a full pre-season mm. uh, The one thing that just uh, uh, disturbs me a little bit is that um, we hear some Carlton supporters turn on their own mm. during the course of the game. Now, whatever you think of the merits of the of the Thomas deal, it's not Dale Thomas's fault. Mm. Dale Thomas yeah. is here because the Carlton Football Club um, um, wanted him here. So I just would love to see supporters actually actually support mm. uh, and not uh, use him as a, um, a whipping boy for... Um, the ills that may befall the club. It's uh, all power to him. He, he, he's playing well and let's see him, um, you know, uh, back it up this week because um, he's a smart player, he's yeah. canny, he knows where the goals are and, gee, do we need goals. We need goals from all of them, but but he, he's the one that seems to find them. Well, not only that, I mean, uh, n- number one, he seems to be enjoying his football, which is a really, I think, important point. And number two, um, when the pressure was on in the second half, he stepped up and he was, you know, mentioned by Bolts as that, I guess, the firm of leaders in the club. Um, he is he is ensconced there in terms of the leadership group, if you like, as one of the cooler heads, one of the more experienced players. And he was terrific in that second half. That's that's very true. And I, and I think what, what the coach has done is, um, you know, um, made it clear in terms of the expectations of each of the each of their players, but particularly the experienced guys, um, setting the tone and um, 
pardon the pun, and and really um, contributing at probably crucial moments in the game in particular. You know, when we wanted a, a deft kick or, or, or a clever handball, you know, you had fellows like Thomas Gibbs Murphy executing it with precision, you mm-hmm. know, Another another one was um, uh, was uh, Matty Wright. You know he yeah. fluffed that that goal. Um, I think it was the third quarter, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then butted up with a with a great goal to you know really give us the ascendancy. And um, so he's, he's a smart player. Game? Did I get that right? Hundredth game, hundredth game. Um, you know these are wise heads that have seen a bit of footy and um, and just had this knack of doing the right thing at the right time to help get their team over the line. And and um, it's great to see some smart footy. Well, I uh, just want to welcome the return of Dennis Armfield as well. Yes. Looking and very sharp. Well, when Jakob Wietering went off in pain in that second quarter, uh, Dennis emerged from the dugout and, and probably should have snagged two goals with mm. three kicks for running down a couple of Eastern players. It was great, great play. Kicked that great goal yeah, later on the, in proceedings. And really gave the team a lift at a probably pretty pivotal time where we needed one, you know. And um, all power to Dennis. He's a, he's a great character of Carlton and... Um, plays with his heart on his sleeve and, and became a life member of the club last year and, and truly values it. And um, that's what you want to see in your players. Is there room in the sleeve with all those tats, I wonder? <laughs> but anyway, it is Not great. the greatest artwork, Tone, I'll have to admit. But, <laughs> a, well, um, look, he, uh, he saves his artfulness for, uh, you know, in front of goal and he did very, that very true. Uh, the weekend. It was great to see him back. He's still got that pace. He's one of the quickest players at the club. Yes, um, yes. And like you mentioned that... Uh, that doggedness, it was there for, well, it was there for four quarters. It, I mean, at times it wasn't pretty, but um, four points next to your name on the AFL letter, that's more beautiful than anything. It, it couldn't have put a bit of myself tone, and, and I think what we love to see in this team and what we are seeing is honesty. You know, we're seeing honesty of performance and fellows that are uh, giving their all for 100 minutes. Mm. I think it was a feature of the Fremantle game, and I think we got it again. You know, by and large, we, we're playing games out now, mm. and that's that's holding us in such good stead. You know, we did it as I said with our with our Crips. It was a it was a when I you know heard that coming to the ground, I oh. and my jaw dropped. Yeah, and yet they still found a way, and that's that's strength in numbers, isn't it? That there's no heavy reliance on any one particular player. It's one in all in, and and the players to their credit found a way. Now, um, Kripper will be right for next week against Collingwood. Before we get to discussing that game tone, I'm going to get you to give me your votes for the game. Yes, and it was particularly hard. We had this conversation off air tone, didn't we? I mean, with honourable mentions to Murph, Kieran Byrne, who's, who is going to be a player, yes, as Brendan Bolton pointed out, um, uh, Andrew Phillips, that, that big goal in the yeah. last quarter that, that probably sealed it for us. Uh, there were so many good players. However, I have gone with one vote to uh, Bryce Gibbs, heady player, um, did some great things at pivotal moments in the game, really stood up for the, for the club. Number two, uh, two votes to another old head, Cade Simpson. I just, yes. He's oh in rare God. form and is just holding the, you know, the back line together at the moment. Game um, 248, if you don't mind. Bri- brilliant work from Simo and, um, and all power to him. And three, uh, I had to give it to Daisy, Dale yep. Thomas. I, I just thought in a game crueled by the conditions, he was a bloke that you know, just made the right decision uh, over and over again. And um, uh, I, I think he's... Uh, his skill and headiness around goal is exactly what we need at the moment. And good luck to him. May it continue for Carlton. It was a fantastic stuff. I'm going to go, uh, uh, what did I have here? I had one for Cruiser, 
Yes. Because it was just great to see him play himself back into form. Yes. I like that. It was a confident game or a confidence-building game for him. Uh, I'm going to go – I know this is going to turn things on its head here, but I'm going to go two for Daisy and three for Simo. I just think Simo's phenomenal in what he brings from the back line, repelling forward incursions from the opposition. He's just – and he just shows the back line how it is to be done. And, it, and, and you know, the back line has been mentioned continuously and probably the greatest improver of any – uh, I guess, team group at Carlton at the moment. They keep getting mentioned in press conferences and that sort of thing. I just think he is the general down there. He's, he's just doing amazing things. Great call, Tony. Couldn't argue with, with those votes. And, and Simo, you know, the, the little big man of the Carlton Football Club, and what, what amazes me that he has strung 248 games yeah. together, the way he has played, because um, it's body on the line stuff. He's not a big man, and, and yet, uh, you know, he dances with giants. And, um, yeah. Uh, and he's still going strong. And, oh, um, you I know, will, will we him. see him get to the big 300? It would be lovely to see, wouldn't oh, it? Uh, that's, uh, that's a delicious prospect, <laughs> and we certainly hope we're still discussing uh, the great performances of Cade Simpson next year on the Two Tones. Now, Tone, uh, Collingwood. Yes, mm. yes, the black and whites. Well, they're off, um, you know, a, a, a fairly substantial fade-out against West Coast, aren't they? And, um, look, it's great to, you know to uh, front up again to the MCG this week. We certainly hope there's more than 43,000, 44,000 yes. people there this yeah. week, Tone. I mean, come on. This is the uh, the clash of the uh, Titans. You know, they talk about, you know, the um, derby and, you know, the, what is it, the showdown in yeah. Adelaide. I mean, please, the, you know, if you're talking about rivalries, this is this is Ali Frazier stuff. And, and there's, there's going to be more in this than, than maybe there has been in previous years. Well, I mean, you look at last year and the, the Jock McHale game, which was a terrible game. Um, but, but, you know, uh, they're more evenly matched. The teams, I would argue, are more evenly matched this time around. Well, well, they are, you know, and, and, and I just think... Um, uh, with every every game comes a new test, and um, in Collingwood there, there is no greater test. You know, um, uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing the, the traditional rivals out there again, the MCG this week, Tony. There's something special about these, and, you know, uh, we don't tend to celebrate derbies in Melbourne, but when you think about it, Carlton and Collingwood are separated only by the, the length of Elgin Street, mm. and um, you probably wouldn't get a, a, a better rivalry in any cone in the country. Um, so... You know, let's just hope that um, that the supporters uh, can see what is happening under Brenton Bolton and lend their support to the team because we can see now that the players in this team are working for each other mm. and it's and it is strength in numbers and let's see that um, let's see that translate to the stands. Well, it, just to bring you, uh, I guess, to to just add a point onto what you just said on Friday night. Um, it was Scott Camparelli who mentioned that he, he thanked everybody and he, he looked up at the, the upper stand and he said, I want to thank the fans as well. And so this is, I mean, I just had this, uh, I guess, realisation that you think the players are out there doing it for the team. They, there is another team member out there called supporters and, and that is equally important, you, fair, would, you would say. A fair point. And, and we had this chat with Ian Robertson as well. You know, the, the speech of Robos did tend to meander somewhat. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a, great, a great point he did make when he was asked the question of a fellow that had played in the 68, 70 and 72 premierships. And the 70 and 72 premierships, uh, the grand finals are famous. You know, yeah. the Collingwood game we all know about in 1970. But... Robbo mentioned of all those premierships he played in, how the 68 grand final was the one that stood out for him because of the pleasure that it brought to the Carlton 
people, mm. the members and supporters, who had had to withstand a 21-year premiership drought uh, between 47 and 68. So uh, to see uh, what it meant to the people was probably why Ian Robertson pitched for 68 ahead of those other great triumphs of 70 and 72. Which, and as you said, Tone, is a hell of a lot to have played in 1970. Teddy Hopkins, you know, 44 points down, all that sort of very thing. Very true. And yeah. we're seeing that this very day, aren't we, Tony, in England with um, yes. Leicester and, and, and Ranieri's impact on the people of the city. And what a, what a magnificent story that is. Well, uh, and uh, I hope... Not unparalleled in sport, <laughs> Mark Murphy and Brendan Bolton together yeah, hold up the 2016 Premiership Cup. Wouldn't that be beautiful? And they wear blue too, don't they, the Foxes? I think Leicester are blue. Well, they do. It's, it's a yeah. sign. Yeah, it's there a is sign. a sign. What are we? Are we currently out oh, to 5,000? Oh, I'm on to anything, Tone. <laughs> okay. You'll take the portents where you will. <laughs> Collingwood versus Carlton. It's their home game. Uh, Saturday, May the 7th. Uh, the MCG, 1.45pm. And if I've got my history right, Tone, May the 7th was VE Day. Oh, is that The so? end of World War Two in Europe. Is that so? With the demolition of uh, the Allies' traditional rivals, the Nazis. Who wear the colours of red and black, if memory yes, serves, Tone. It's true. true. And just as evil. <laughs> Um, so get on down there, support the club. Um, now, any final thoughts on Friday night? As he said, there have been a couple of references. It was a great thing. It was at the Athenaeum Theatre. Um, it was accessible. It was affordable to members to, to come on down and support us. Um, Scott Camparelli, as we said, gave a great speech. It was a, it was a terrific night. We, uh, there were, we, we have to be fair to the others that were part of, party to this. John Rout talked about his father, Jack. Terrific ha- how he mentioned How he mentioned that Jack valued the people of Carlton higher than the premierships or any successes that the club actually earned. That, that was a people that mattered most. It was lovely to hear him say that. And, of course, the legend, Tony, Sergio Silvani, as you said earlier, was in rare form, uh, self-deprecating humour uh, throughout. Probably the highlight was after he gave his speech how he, how he walked to centre stage and, and um, visually showed how the two knee reconstructions <laughs> had actually straightened his bandy legs. And he was now, it added an inch or two to his height so that he now had big nick covered <laughs> in terms of his ideal playing height. So... I think that was just magnificent from Serge. He would have been the last bloke wanting to get up there, mm. but um, he was tremendous in his acceptance speech. And I think when we look back on all those um, those past players and officials that were on it, um, what we what we saw in common with each of them was the love that they had for their club, and how after all these years, you know, uh, that it still burns. To, oh. You know. Strongly for them, and it was it was a privilege and a pleasure to be there, wasn't it? And uh, you know, definitely too with Scott Camparelli, given how he exited the club, and there was some there was a little rancor there. Let's be honest, at the time, all is forgiven. He was, and he mentioned how much the club meant to him and how um, important it was in his development as a as a person. It wasn't a magnificent to see his twin boys oh, in tow there, two toed. Thank you. I, I, and we'd just heard the news of Rebecca Judd too that night. Well, who, we did. I saw uh, Stephen Silvani loitering around the floor of the Athenaeum with a, uh, a, a, a couple of contracts <laughs> and a, a pen uh, trying to get these two over the line. So, uh, no, I think we're in good hands here. And, um, uh, yes, it's rather exciting that uh, potentially we could have a couple more Camp Reales going around uh, for the Mighty Blues. I certainly hope so. Now, before we go um, wrap up on the two tones, I just want to mention we today we're a bit like uh, the old lotto draw. We have two... We have two 
people sitting in, making sure that everything's above board. They are Jack and Robert, two media students or two students of Marceline College, speaking of the Silvanis. Yes, uh, 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 Stephen is an old Marceline boy because Serge is a Paradian. Let's just get that cleared up. Oh, really? Up. Okay. Uh, and Jack is an old Zavarian. So there you go. They, yeah. uh, they spread the love, the uh, Silvanis. But it, it's lovely to see Robert and Jack in the room tone. I, I don't know what they'll make of this nonsense, but um, it's lovely that they're here and uh, digesting it all and uh, it's terrific that the club is opening up its doors to uh, expose and immerse um, uh, our students with the um, with all things Carlton. It's a good thing, isn't it? And they are, I believe, in year 10, is that right, boys? Yeah. And... Rusted on Carlton supporters. That is the most important thing. Yes. It's been a torrid 10 years. And Jack, and Jack, what did Jack say earlier about why he stuck with Carlton? Jack, a quick comment Jack, from Jack's you. Jack's going to tell us now. Come on, Jack. Um, that it's wrong to change clubs and you got to stick with them the whole time. You've got to stick fat. I love it. And that is emphatic from Jack. It's lovely to hear that tone. It, uh, it makes me shed a tear. And just before we go, Robert, you've stuck with Carlton despite your surname being... Thank you very much. Take that, the family club. Uh, This has been The Two Tones. Uh, We will catch you next week where hopefully we are discussing the three people. (laughs)